today with Dr. K. I'm Dr. K. Wise Whitehead. Langston Hughes said, America has never been America to me, but I swear America will be. James Baldwin said this, because I love this nation that I so fiercely critique her. Douglas said, my, my blood is mixed with the soil of this land. I am an American. Folks, you can't get more American than black folks in this country. When we talk about the America that's being created, we're taking a look at this slow march to the polls that Donald J. Trump is doing. I know people go, he who should not be mentioned. They call him 45. They call him the orange man. Whatever you want to call him, he is making a slow march back to the White House. His chief strategist, Steve Banning, believed that Americans, America's traditional openness was a sign of weakness. Steve Bannon exploited the sense of chaos and confusion and vulnerability. A lot of us felt that way. We felt there was a lot of chaos under the, the Trump years, a lot of confusion. We felt very vulnerable under the Trump years. Well, that's Steve Bannon. In the face of technological change, Steve Bannon believe that we need to stop the unbridled flow of information. Folks should not know everything that's going on. We should stop the erosion of the borders, put the wall up, build it back better, stronger, and higher, and let's continue to exploit the unequal distribution of progress. See, you can't believe in progress for all if you want to be able to rule with a firm hand. You can't do both. It's one or the other. America's never been America to me. 410-319-8888. I'm talking about America because President Joe Biden is coming to Baltimore on Thursday. And he's looking for questions. And where we begin to find ourselves. Now, now I have a question for Barack um for Joe Biden, and I want to see if you have one as well. Nearly every major challenge that we're facing at this moment, from epidemics to climate change to violent extremism to, to cyber hacking, given that it's beyond the capacity of one nation to actually solve it, as one nation, we can't solve epidemics. We can't, because epidemics are coming in from other countries, coming in from rural areas. We can't stop epidemics at all. We cannot stop by ourselves climate change. We cannot stop by ourselves violent extremism. We cannot stop by ourselves any of these things that are happening, including cyber hacking. We, we can't stop that. So what we need is for America to start interacting on the global field. And I know that that is a focus of President Joe Biden to get us back to a place where we are considered to be a viable partner at the table. That is something that we should try harder to do. I know it doesn't, doesn't happen overnight, but given the fact that President Biden was in the Senate they're thinking he should be able to grease more palms than people who are visiting this area. Like, what does it mean to get people to commit 
to your vision. Well, we committed to President Joe Biden. What should he be doing now? 410-319-8888. I thank you so much, Ray, for putting uh, Steve Banning on the table, because I think it's important if you want to understand President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, hopefully not President Donald Trump in 2024. You got to go back to Steve Bannon. You got to look at what was happening during that time. What is the true legacy of a 45? I want to talk a little bit about that um, and get your input. That I make the argument that prior to Trump, there was a notion that we the people meant all of us. Now, we know that that black folks and brown folks and Latinx folks, we weren't getting everything we wanted from this country. But there was always a belief that if we just keep the pressure on, keep our foot on the gas, then we, the people, will include me, you, your spouse, the children, and all of us will be included about what we, the people, should be doing, the preamble to the Constitution, right? That we want to be able to come together and actually create something better, take the lessons and the mistakes from the past and transform them into blessings today. Well, part of that was like we got to be able to be clear about what was happening in this country. And what stops us is that we're hitting these milestones, the milestone of We the People, the milestone of the Civil Rights Act, the milestone of the Voting Rights Act, and we're not seeing the type of change we want on the ground. Doesn't mean there hasn't been some change. We're saying we want it more on a larger scale. If you go back to something Dean Wickham said, he talked about Bush and how Bush gave us Clarence Thomas. That was his sarcastic gift to us. Well, during the 1991 confirmation hearings for Clarence Thomas, for a lot of people, that was a turning point for them when it came to the Republican Party, giving us Clarence Thomas, that choosing him to fill the seat that was being left by Thurgood Marshall, Thurgood Marshall, who always worked through his own lens, of trying to figure out what to do in America, this is based on his writings, is very different than what we have in this situation. There won't be this notion that we can simply vote him off because that's not going to happen. There was frustration, anger, and fear when Clarence Thomas got confirmed. A lot of people said we have a lot to be worried about, and they were correct. He has now spent, what, 28 years on the bench? And he has not done as much as we thought he would do. They thought he would, uh, that he would begin to transform at least later in his life. No. This year, while they're in there, and they're not even together, they're at home, they're talking about COVID and all these other things. Well, we're going to decide this year on the Affordable Care Act on the state of elections, on the religious right, on the technology, on the Mueller investigation, just to name a few of the things we're going to address this year. Because every time we move, we find we are then being met with more. Donald Trump and the Republican Party, they understand that the battle is already happening. 
And in some cases and in some states, the victory has already been assured. Let me tell you something, and I'll take you through this. And I want to see if uh, Justina can get me a clip where they're talking about the Republican Party. I want to be able to give people an idea of the Republican Party under Lincoln. What was Colin Powell talking about when he talked about going back to being the party of Lincoln? We'll have her pull that up in just a second. While she's working on that, let me give you uh, Donald Trump's record. Trump successfully appointed over 200 federal judges to lifetime appointments. It should gratefully concern you. I'm talking this is stuff that keeps you up at night that you can't move forward with because you're finding out this information over 200 judges. Now, the record is remarkable, of course, um, because he was able to push back against so much. But even with that, even with this record, if you compare it to other runners, I mean, if you compare it to other people who were up for running at that time, it should just astonish you. There were other people that could have been doing it. There were other people who could have been put into these positions rather than conservative far right. By appointing 200 judges, it turns out that he has appointed almost a quarter of all federal judges in the United States, all active federal judges. By contrast, in eight years, Barack Obama appointed 312. By contrast, in eight years, 312. In four years, 200. George Bush appointed 166. Bill Clinton appointed 87. On top of that, Trump appointed 53 appeals court judges. That powerful position of being a regional gatekeeper who provide the final word on most appeals because the Supreme Court won't take the case. 57. Let's keep going. He also noted, he talked about his base. He was talking about how his base is white, and he has some black people sprung in there he talks about. But here's what the records show around Donald Trump here. He's appointed 53 appeals court judges, 53. So when you look at his influence, if it's 53 on that level and 80-something on the next level and 200 overall, you're shaping policies that will impact this country for years to come. Folks, we have to take a short break. Let's just take a break here. When we come back, let's pick up our conversation about the fact that we the people has quietly and effectively become they the people. So what are we willing to do about it. Let's take a break and come back after the break.
K. I'm Dr. K. Wise Whitehead. We're talking about the state of America and what President Biden should be focused on now. He's coming to Baltimore on Thursday. He's doing a town hall. And really what he's trying to do is he's trying to get people to support, put pressure on your council people for this trillion-dollar package to save this country. Trillions of dollars are being poured into this country, and yet, for many of us, we're trying to figure out how we can meet our bills, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep the water on, trying to pay tuition. We're trying to put gas in our car. Anybody else notice how expensive each of those items have got? I don't know if it is me, but I went to visit my kid on Saturday, Easton, Pennsylvania. What, maybe, what is it, Justine? Maybe two and a half hours away? It cost me, now I start off with a half a tank of gas. Hear me out, because I'm so annoyed by this. I said, well, I have a half a tank, and, and I'm from the old school. And I, I'm going to see what, what Dre and uh, Justina say. I'm old school. I was taught that when you travel, every time you stop and you're getting coffee, you're taking a bathroom break, go ahead and fill the tank up. That's what my daddy always taught me. That you never want to get on the road traveling and you only have a half a tank of gas. Keep filling it up because you might hit traffic and you may have to sit in traffic, got to take a, a, a route. So I filled it. It cost me 40 bucks to fill up my tank and I was already over a half a tank of gas. Got to Pennsylvania, came back, and a half a tank of gas, another $40. Taking them back, another $40. It cost me over $120 in gas to get him back and forth to Pennsylvania. Two and a half hours away. Gas has gone up. Milk has gone up. And if you are a meat eater, which I am not, if you're someone knocking down your pork, you can call it bacon if you want, right? You can call it whatever you want. If, you, if you're taking from the pork, taking beef, taking chicken, it's gotten more expensive. Joe Biden needs to be working on that. Like, we actually need him to intercede to try to get prices down. This trillion-dollar package... From what I understand and from what Mayor Brandon Scott said, it's to fix the roads and bridges. I'm all into that. I want bridges fixed. I want roads fixed. You know what? I want the price of milk to go down. I do. I don't even drink milk. I'm an almond milk drinker. But I know people buy milk. I, I want the price of, of your chicken and your turkeys to go down. They said at this point, the shortage that we're dealing with, because stuff is sitting down at these tanks, these containers down here, it's going to drive up prices. They already said, look, they had a short, they have a shortage on Halloween candy. I don't even do Halloween, but they have a shortage on the candy. They said there's going to be a shortage on artificial trees. I don't even know. The people get artificial trees. I got questions for you. I'd like to know why. Trying to get you a live tree, there'll be shortages on the live tree. This is a shortage on everything. If you want to do anything, if you're trying to get ready for the holidays, you need to do it now. President Joe Biden needs to be doing that. Now, we have a clip from President Joe Biden's inauguration. I just want to remind you of what he promised us, and I want to know whether we're getting it or not. Come on, Dre, let's play a little bit of uh, President Joe Biden. By George Washington. But the American story depends not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us, on we, the people, who seek a more perfect union. This is a great nation. We are good people. And over the centuries, through storm and strife, in peace and in war, we've come so far. But we still have far to go. 
we'll press forward with speed and urgency, for we have much to do in this winter of peril and significant possibilities. Much to repair, much to restore, much to heal, much to build, and much to gain. Few people in our nation's history have been more challenged or found a time more challenging or difficult than the time we're in now. Once-in-a-century virus that silently stalks the country has taken as many lives in one year as America lost in all of World War II. Millions of jobs have been lost. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. A cry for racial justice some 400 years in the making moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. The dream of justice deferred or justice denied or justice for all won't be denied, deferred, kept off, won't be lied about any longer. Joe Biden saying, you have put me in office and I come on a white horse to bring you justice, to bring you greatness, to help you fulfill your dreams, to lower the cost of gas and meat and candy. We're going to have Christmas trees in every home under Joe Biden. <laughs> Let me just say, y'all, that ain't happening at all. I mean, it's not. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I am standing as a supporter of the Biden-Harris administration. Like, I'm trying to be all in with Biden-Harris. But look, I can barely afford to keep my head above water because prices are going up on everything. Here's the thing that gets me, though. Because since the boys went off to college, my husband and I really have become, you know, I, I was already a pescatarian. We're becoming more vegetarians than anything else. We don't eat any meat in the house. They said, you know what's not going up? This should get you. No, nobody's buying vegetables and fruit. Those things are not going up. Meat, candy, sugar, all that's going up. Vegetables, spinach is going down. You can get you a lot of oranges and strawberries and grapes. All that's going down because people are not buying fruits and vegetables on one hand. And then, of course, a more, more pragmatic understanding of it is the fact that you're not bringing fruits and vegetables from very far away. All of that is things that you can get to very quickly. It's the bigger items, the items you have to bring into the country, the items you have to ship you know, throughout the country. That's why it's so expensive because there's a holdup, there's a blockage there. I also, I want to hear um, President Joe Biden talk about this case around Ahmed Arbery. Like, I'm thinking a lot about Ahmed Arbery. Um, you know, they're, they're dealing with the jurors now um, because the race is at the forefront of the jury and questioning and trial over Ahmed Arbery's death. Race is emerging as a major theme of jury selection. Now, I just want to remind you uh, of Ahmed Arbery and why this one gets me, this particular case. It's not the only case that cuts down beneath the surface, but, but it is one of them. This is in Georgia, and we talked about this all around the same time that we were talking about the murder of George Floyd and the shooting of Breonna Taylor in her own home. And then we talked about the shooting of Ahmed Arbery. And then Kristen Cooper, uh, who, when he was, what, bird watching in New York, 
and the white woman, Amy Cooper, no relation, tried to call the police on him, saying he was attacking and harassing her, and he was not. Ahmed Arbery went out for a run. And in going out for a run, there were two white men, a father and a son, who they believed that Ahmed Arbery had been trying to steal something or had broken into a house. There's no basis for what they believe. So they decided to get in their pickup truck and go and get Ahmed Arbery and arrest him. I don't think they were having their plan was to arrest him. I think the plan was to take him out. Why else are you carrying guns with you to go confront a jogger because you think that he's done something in the neighborhood, so you took it upon yourself to do this? Somehow or another, a third person shows up, a friend of theirs, a co-worker, I don't know. But you can see on video how they tailed Ahmed Arbery. He's out jogging. He tried to jog around him. They pulled around. They were able to finally get him to stop. You see the son get out of the passenger side holding a rifle. You see him approach Ahmed Arbery. There's a struggle over the rifle. And the next thing you know is you see Ahmed Arbery falling to the ground. They shot and killed him. Well, today and yesterday, they've been dealing with jury selection. Ahmed Arbery was only 25 years old. So what the attorneys are doing now is they are working through the pool of about 1,000 prospective jurors trying to find 16 people who will say that they are impartial. We may have a clip, Justina, from one of the lawyers from the Ahmed Arbery case. Um, I'd love to hear where they are. Though attorneys for the defendants have asserted that this case is not about race, they continue to question would-be jurors on the subject. Here's what they're asking them. So you go in and do your civic duty. You know that there are a couple of big cases that are happening right now and that you're going in. You might get chosen for one of them. Well, they're saying, do you support the Black Lives Matter movement? You do? All right, you're not on it. Do you believe that uh, black people are unfairly treated in the criminal justice system? You do? Okay, we want you. Have you participated in racial justice demonstrations? You did? Then we don't want you. And what they're doing is they are stacking this jury. These are the questions you're asking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Are black people treated unfairly? No attorney wants black folks on the jury say, yeah, we're treated unfairly by the criminal justice system. Yes, we're disproportionately impacted by prisons and jails. Yes, we know we're criminalized just showing up with black skin. Yes, yes, yes to all of the above. Have I participated in a racial justice demonstration? Yes, I do one today if I have a moment. Do you support the Black Lives Matter movement? Yes, every day and twice on Sunday. So they're not going to pick me at all. They're not going to pick anybody. Like They're trying to people people who are probably answering no to most of these questions. We don't believe this is a case about race, is what the defense attorney, Kevin Goff, said. It's not about race. But asked by the attorneys, one prospective juror, a teacher, told the court that she believed racism was a factor in Arborist killing. She said there's still racism in the world today. Another question they asked, Bob Robin, who's an attorney for one of the defendants, the three white men accused of killing Ahmed Aubrey, asked jurors on Tuesday if they believe race plays any role in the case. One said no. Another said race plays a little bit of a role. 
There was a black man who was jogging down the road, and he was stopped and detained by the individuals. I know he was a black man. I know they were white men. She said that's all she knows about the case. I don't think so. I think they should move this case out of Georgia. They need to go somewhere else to truly get a jury of their peers, a racially balanced and a gender-balanced jury, because they cannot let these two men off. Jury selection comes almost 20 months after Aubrey was shot while jogging, February 23rd, 2020. If you take a look at the video, you can see why it sparked national outcries. It propelled a nationwide protest against the killing of black women and black people, that we were standing up. Father and son Gregory and Travis McMichael and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, who recorded the video. Remember, one was shooting them, one was recording. They were recording on top of everything. They have all been charged with murder and other crimes. So the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, is actually involved in this because they are concerned that defense will try to exclude potential jurors based upon race. Where they're uh, serving this, where they're having this case, is in Brunswick County. Brunswick County is predominantly black, but Glenn County is overwhelmingly white. So when they're sending out from juror, for jurors to come in from Brunswick and Glenn County, you go through and you can get to a point where you have slanted the jury in such a way that it is going to be difficult to get a ruling to hold these three men responsible for what they did responsible for what they did against Ahmed Arbery. His killing changed the Georgia community. This is where we are. That video, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, it is horrific to see. It's horrific to spend time trying to figure out how we can go forward. When everything is showing us and telling us that maybe there is no forward. Maybe, I'm just asking, maybe this is just as good as it gets. And we're always going to be wrestling with these issues of race, at least in my lifetime. Someone said that black folks, that we should no longer beg for justice. We should demand it because this is who we are. This is our legacy in this country. We should expect it. If this is what we're looking for, then we should be able to get what we need. Do we have a clip from uh, Ahmed Aubrey's lawyer? Okay, so if we get that to pull it up, but I think you should, if you have an opportunity, to go and take a look. Because what's on trial here, and I think a lot of people can agree, is the importance of African-American life in this country. More people than ever before are listening now to concerns about racial disparities in one of Georgia's poorest or economically challenged cities, and that city actually surrounds Glenn County. That should make you pause. That when you start trying to figure out what is behind all this, you got to look at all of these pieces because all the pieces are important. If people are not held accountable for the death of a young man in the middle 
of the broad daylight in the streets, outside, within the community, then those in the establishment, according to someone who lives down there, may not feel the need to change anything. The defendant said, look, we were not trying to kill Aubrey. We followed him in the belief that he was behind neighborhood break-ins, and we only shot him in self-defense. So you took it upon yourself to be the cop, prosecutor, the jury, the judge, You're doing everything. You have followed and you're doing everything. You know what? Here we are. Because until we get to a better place, we are always going to find America and its racialized history of racism and white supremacy will be on trial each and every time. Folks, we're going to meet back here tomorrow at 2 p.m. We'll have our weekly wrap then. Plan to give us a call and let's have another conversation that matters. 